Good morning. Um, whenever, whenever I get asked to come up here and teach, I always hesitate, and it's not for the reasons that maybe you all would think. Um, typically, when I agree to teach on a Sunday, it means that the week or two leading up to it are insane, like way more insane than normal. Uh, whether it's spiritual battle or I'm just distracted because I'm thinking about teaching, but the epitome of this happened yesterday. Our pipe burst on our second floor of our house at about noon, and there was rain falling in all the floors of my house all day yesterday. <laughs> we were able to get the water off, cut the water, cut the power, cut the, and everything. And so um, as chunks of ceiling were falling into my kitchen, I was like, okay, I must be teaching tomorrow. This is normal. <laughs> Uh, so I'm Liz Taylor, I'm one of the elders here, and uh, I'm excited to be here, to have made it to Sunday, uh, and to get to share with you all uh, some of the things that I feel like God's been speaking to me, and hopefully I get to share the truths with you this morning um, about hearing from God and responding. Uh, and this is part of us preparing for Dreams and Dialogue weekend in a couple of weeks. And it may seem like we're pushing Dreams and Dialogue really hard, August 25th and 26th, uh, and that's because we are. Um, it's super important uh, for us to come together and hear from God as a community and to talk about what we're sensing God is saying to us. And we set aside a whole weekend every year to do that. So I hope that if you can, make the space to come. Come that Saturday. There's childcare that's amazing for those of us with small kids to not have to find babysitters. And then back on Sunday to, to celebrate what we've heard. As a reminder, the vision of Genesis is to see the kingdom of God come by loving God, making disciples, and serving a hurting world. And the heart of that making disciples part is obedience. Before I begin and dive into what I'm gonna talk about deeply this morning, I'd love to pray and ask God to speak here and now. God, I thank you for your grace this week. I thank you for um, your protection, for your speaking, and this morning, in this time, God, I just ask that you make it clear what a perfect parent you are, who talks to us the way that we need to hear, and who's with us when we obey. God, I ask that your voice would be the loudest one this morning, uh, that the thoughts and the doubts and the questions in our mind would quiet, and we would just get to hear you. Amen. Now, I was raised pretty much in a small church here in the suburbs of Detroit. Um, my earliest memories are actually from that church, of running through the narthex between the grown-ups' knees as they're talking after service. I remember sitting in the basement of that church in the Sunday school classes and being taught how to pray and being introduced to the great heroes of the Bible uh, through felt boards by little old ladies um, telling us what great things God has done. And I remember the songs. Uh, we did tons of music in that church as a kid. Um, and in retrospect, some of those songs may have been maybe a little misleading um, to the character of God or even the truths of the Bible, but there's one song that has been running in my head since I heard it, or since I was told what I was teaching on this morning. And it goes like this. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. -E -E. Obedience is the very best way to show that we believe. 
doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it joyfully, whoopee. Action is the key, do it immediately, and joy you will receive. Now, <laughs> that's all the singing you'll ever hear me do. Um, and as a kid, and sometimes as an adult, I really thought this song was meant to trick me and to make me do something that I didn't want to do. Uh, in fact, as I was remembering the song and it popped into my head with this topic, I was sure it was gonna be a bad example of what obedience meant, how obedience is often messed up. But like looking at the words, like, that's pretty great. I mean, even the whoopee part, right? We should throw that word in more. Obedience is the best way that we can show that we believe in God. Now, we talk in here often about hearing from God. We practice it often. In fact, I think the last time I was up here, if I'm remembering correctly, it was about hearing the voice of God. But to take action, that's how we show what we really believe. Without action, we can talk and share all we want about hearing from God. But obedience is putting what we do in line with what we say we stand for. And again, that obedience word is a tricky one because in our culture, it is not cool to obey. It is cool to rebel. To fit in is to go against the flow. And when we are told what to do, we like to know the who, the what, the where, the when, the why. And then maybe, just maybe, we'll do what's asked of us. But this isn't new. This isn't new to our culture. It isn't new to humans. To use the, the phrase, it's as old as Moses, literally. Um, so we're going to look at a time when Moses did just that. Uh, when he was asked to do something and he hesitated. So we're going to go back to the beginning of the Old Testament. The second book is Exodus. And it's the first time we're going to look at that Moses is asked to do something by God. Um, quick context. The Israelite people are God's chosen people. They uh, were begun with Abraham. And Abraham was taken away from his homeland and put in a new place. And God said, you're going to start my people. And so Abraham multiplied, but because of famine, his people ended up moving to Egypt and they kept growing as a nation. And the Egyptians became afraid of them and enslaved them. And then Moses was born. And Moses ended up adopted by the royal family in Egypt. Um, but he ran away. So he was this royal prince, but he ran away, he committed murder, and he went off into the middle of nowhere, went off the grid, uh, got married, became a shepherd, and this is where we pick up his story in Exodus chapter 3. And one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush, and Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Uh, can I just point out already, Moses is disobeying. Like God says, take off your sandals, and instead Moses just covers his face. And God goes on to tell Moses that he's seen the oppression of his people. He hasn't forgotten about his people. He hasn't forgotten about the promises. 
and that he has a plan to save them. And so we pick it back up in verse 10, and God's still speaking, and he says, now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of, people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Here's the who, he's asking the who. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I'll be with you, and this is your sign, that I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. But Moses protested. If, I didn't mention that one, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? So now he's asking the what. God replied to Moses, say who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And Moses protested again. Verse four, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? Or sorry, this is chapter four. What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? So now he's going into it. God's given him a super clear command. He's met him out in the desert and now he's expecting the bad results. And then Lord, the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? And at this point then, God gives him miracles to perform. So Moses protested, he asked questions, and now God's gonna give him some proof to take with him to kind of build up his confidence. He even allows Moses to practice these miracles out in the wilderness where it's safe, where there's no one around but God, so that he's ready to do this in the presence of Pharaoh. Verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, I'm not now, and even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. And at this point in the story, can't you almost feel God's frustration growing? He's like a parent who's trying to convince their kid to do something. And then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? I love that God comes back with his own who, what, where sort of thing. Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. And then it actually happens. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. Oh, and look, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you, talk to him, and put words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. I love that God knew Moses so well that he had already sent his brother. Like Aaron was already on his way to come see Moses before they ever got to this part in the discussion. And I believe Aaron was already on his way because God never intended for Moses to do it alone. But he did expect Moses' obedience. Now this is the first time that we see that God has asked Moses to hear and respond. And eventually Moses does listen. He goes back to Egypt with his brother. He performed the miracles God had him practice, and then some. He led a whole nation out of slavery. He continued to listen to the crazy things that God asked of him, because when you start to listen, and when you start living into the identity of being a child of God, the things expected of you will grow as you grow. And soon it wasn't miracles in front of Pharaoh and his, his few counselors. Soon it was parting seas 
and hitting rocks to get water and standing still with arms up in the air to win battles. And step by step, God went ahead of Moses and his people, and it changed the course of history as we know it. Think about how the nation of Israel is still affecting the world today. And that is the point. Hearing what God is saying to us and responding with action, this is what can and this is what will change the world. In thinking more about this, there was a quote from one of my history classes in college that I couldn't shake. And it's one of my favorite. Uh, it was written as graffiti on the Berlin Wall. I think there's a picture of it. There it is. Um, before, the, before the wall fell. And it says, many small people, I'm not going to read the German part, I'll read the English. Many small people who in many small places do many small things can alter the face of the world. Now for the sake of argument today, let's add something to this. Many small people who in many small places are hearing and doing what God asks can alter the face of the world. And if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. Because let's face it, there are a lot of things in this world that I wish to see changed. And the great news is, is that God is working. The kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus announced it when he began his ministry. In Mark 1.15, it says, The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. And if you follow Jesus, he expects simple obedience to what he says. He expects us to hear him and to respond. But just like God didn't expect Moses to do it alone, Jesus doesn't expect us to do it alone. More than following God within community, which he demonstrated and lived out and was an example of on earth, Jesus also spoke more about obedience in John 14. He says this, I tell you the truth that anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done, even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. And you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. See, here's the key. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth and the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Ultimately, Jesus made it clear that his followers should live a noticeably different way than other people. But God gives us so much grace to get there. He took the time with Moses in the wilderness. It doesn't say how long that conversation happened by the bush and the demonstrating of the miracles, but I feel like it was a long day. He gave second chances to all of those felt bored heroes from my childhood. He's a God who gives second chances to listen. He's a God, but he is a perfect parent to imperfect people. And he doesn't abandon us to our own ways. He allows us to fail at listening and then gives us a calm, are you ready to listen now? And looks for us to obey. We see God's desire for us to listen through his provision in the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to help us here, to advocate for us, and to be with us constantly Although my story has never been told on a felt board, 
by sweet little old ladies in Sunday school. I have more second chance stories than I can tell as well. One clear example happened right in this room about a little over a year ago. It was during the testimony time when I had a clear vision pop into my head, so random that it caused me to take notice. And it was an image of me praying for a person who was sitting across the room who I knew to be in pain. I felt like I was sensing that God wanted me to go over and with, to them and pray. And in the middle of my mental debate of whether or not this was a good idea or if that was really God speaking to me, connection time began. As an introvert, it is the scariest time of the service. And I mentally ended the debate with the always winning line, God, I can't, I have to pee. And I left the room. And I didn't pray for her. And heading into the next week, I couldn't shake the feeling that I had somehow failed, that I had disobeyed a clear direction from God, that I was supposed to pray for this person in a way that they knew I was praying for them out loud, maybe even laying hands on them. In the middle of that next week, my husband and I had been gathering a small group of 20-somethings at our house, and we had been talking about what it meant to hear from God and respond. Specifically, the verse 1 John 3.16, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And so I shared with them this story of failing, of disobeying. And they asked, well, what are you going to do about it? And me, the story was done. Like, oh, I failed. They asked me, are you going to pray for her? Sure, I said. The next time I see her, I will pray for her. So the next Sunday, I'm sitting in basically the same spot and preparing myself, looking around, and I don't see her. And connection time begins, and I'm looking all over, and I don't see her. I'm like, oh, God, I tried. I tried to obey. She's not here. As I sit back down, our kid's number goes up on the board. And I head out to go change a diaper, and I see her in the lobby. But nope, I got to go change a diaper. She's talking to somebody. God, this is not the time. I know I said the next time I see her, I would pray for her, but I'm not going to. So I smile and wave and head back to take care of the diaper. And I'm thinking again, it's done. It just wasn't the right time. She wasn't in connection. That I'm good. Like I was going to, but now, now there's silly. And I come back in through the lobby and very nearly run directly into her standing by herself. And at that point, it felt like God was saying, how many times is it going to take for you to listen? So I stopped. And I explained I felt like God had been telling me for a while to pray for her. I prayed and I left. And I felt completely embarrassed. Not about the prayer. That was actually easy. Praying for somebody is like the simplest thing. But I was so embarrassed that it had taken me a week to obey a simple command. Now, after that instance, I would love to say I have been following God perfectly. I jump every time he says, um, but that wouldn't be true. I'm still learning. And in fact, more often than I would like to admit, I obey God more like my kids obey me. I think they have a picture of my children. There they are. rocking their World Cup gear. Um, They are five, three, and two. And I know you can tell by this picture that they are wonderful listeners. Uh, 
I repeat myself with them a lot. I'm with them all day, every day, and usually as I repeat a direction, it comes with more and more urgency. They also like to ask the why and the who and the what. Um, and lately, as we've been trying to have a super fun summer, I have been pulling out the very mom phrase of, don't you know how much more fun we would have if you would just listen the first time? Don't you know how much more we could do? And every time when I reach that point, I feel like God is reminding me the same thing. Don't you know how much more fun we would have if you would just obey the first time? Do you know how much more we could do? Because we're called to do great things. Jesus talks about it. We are called to be part of the kingdom growing on this earth to introduce people to Jesus and his grace and his life-changing message and to see the kingdom of God come by loving God, making disciples, and serving the hurting world. Let's look back at that John 14 verses because they're so good. It says, I tell you the truth that anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. I know in this room that there are people who have been following Jesus for a long time. There are some who may just be learning what it means, and there are others who are here because they don't know what it means to follow Jesus, but they want to learn. A part of following Jesus, of being his disciple, and making more disciples means obeying when he asks something. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Now, if you were here last week, Bo asked for some responses from the audience about some of the reasons we don't respond when we sense something from God. It's fear and schedules and needing more clarity. They all slow us down from responding when we sense something from God. And some of you might be saying, I don't, I don't often hear from God. Maybe you are and you just don't recognize it. Because if you are committed to following Jesus, you've become a child of God. And it is the birthright of a child of God to hear his voice. And he knows how to speak to his children. With Moses, it took a bush. With me, it took running into somebody. He's speaking uniquely to you, too. And if you're having trouble recognizing what he sounds like, ask for clarity. Again, Jesus' promise in John 14. Ask for anything in my name. Ask for clarity in Jesus' name. Ask for God to get really loud. Make space in your life then to listen. Pay attention when someone or something is, is physically in your way. Notice when you might be running away from something because it feels weird. And read the words of Jesus. And if you can't read, have someone read them to you because Jesus only did what God asked of him. And I believe that includes his, his sermons. But if you want to know what God talks like, those first four books in the New Testament are a really great record of it. Jesus came for those who need him, who need grace, who need second chances. 
I'm one of them. If you're sensing God is speaking, are you responding? I'm going to do just a little exercise with you all. I'm going to make both the introverts and extroverts a little nervous. Um, I have a couple of questions, and I would like you to take out something to write with, whether it's the program, the notes section in the program when you walked in, uh, a notes app on your phone, grab a pen from the pew right on your hand, something. And I'm going to give you a moment to consider this question. It's, it's more of a reflection. Can you point to a time when you felt like God was saying something to you, and how did you respond? Can you point to a time or remember a time in your life when you felt like God was saying something to you, and how did you respond? So take a moment, write it down. I was just going to leave this as like a quiet reflection, but my husband, who's very much an extrovert, said that for extroverts, it won't count unless they get to talk about it with somebody. So for the extroverts, <laughs> turn to one or two other people in the room and share your answer if you're comfortable. If not, talk about the weather. It's your time to chat, extroverts. <laughs> All right, good job. If you didn't get to finish sharing, you can share again afterward, whether success or failure. All right, we're going to do one more question. And this one might be key. Take a moment in silence and listen for the Father's voice. How is God asking you to join him? in his work in the world right now. How is God asking you to join him, join with him and his work in the world right now? Write it down.
You can go ahead and turn to one or two other people and share if you had an answer. And if you didn't have an answer, maybe share why you're feeling particularly stuck maybe from hearing from God. Thank you all for sharing <laughs> and participating. I know it can feel a little weird, but this is a safe place to practice, right? Now we know full well, don't we? Obedience is gonna cost us something. Time, money, embarrassment, inconvenience, something, right? And we often count the cost of obedience and find it too high. We choose disobedience because it appears to cost us nothing, at least in the short run. But I have a challenge for you. It's something I want you all to try for the next two weeks leading up to Dreams and Dialogue. Uh, and it's called the 10-second rule. And this is a rule that, there's a whole book written about it by a woman named Claire DeGraff. Um, I have not actually read the book, but I love the premise. So the premise of it is what I'm leaving you with as a challenge today. And it is this. It says, just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do. And do it within 10 seconds of having that sense. Just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do. And do it within 10 seconds. And then remember it, because there might be a time to share about it at Dreams and Dialogue Weekend. Or testimony time next Sunday, because we're going to change the world by this, right? And Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So when you're reasonably certain Jesus is asking you to do something, do it. 
don't be me. Don't sit in the back there. I don't know if I'm supposed to go pray for her. I know. Oh, I'm going to go talk about it with the group. I'm going to avoid her in the lobby, and then I will come back. Don't do that. That was a bad example. Ten seconds. And this isn't meant to be a scary challenge. It's supposed to be fun. A way to start moving into the little everyday things that God is asking of us so we can get to the big things. The parting the Red Sea, big things. And with God, all things are possible. And we are stepping into the expectation that he can do more than we can ask or imagine. So have fun with this. Take risks, be adventurous in the pursuit of that impossible. Because many small people in many small places who are hearing and doing what God asks can alter the face of the world. I think it's the only thing that ever has. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are a God who knows how to get our attention. So God, I ask for you to show up that you make us reasonably certain of what you're asking and you give us the courage and the adventurous spirit to try, knowing that you are with us, that you will tell us what to do. You will bring along a buddy or a brother if we need it. You are a great father and a good king who loves his imperfect people very much. Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Liz. And if, if you want to give her a hand, you can. It's appropriate. <clears throat> so who's, who's in for the 10-second rule? Just a show of hands. Okay. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, who loves the fact that our elders talk about how many times they fail? I, am, <laughs> I love going to a church that is able to share that. Um, as we dismiss, I, I wanted to just give you this... Um, image. I woke up this morning, um, and it's often in the early morning that I wake um, that I'm not able to really fall back asleep, but that's when I will have some of the best um, meditative prayer, and I will have dreams and visions during that time. Um, they might be real dreams, um, because I do fall back asleep, but they seem to have some meaning. And so this, just this morning, this was um, what came to me, and I didn't realize if it was, I didn't know if it was for our group before we had the service, or if it was for you, or if it's just for me. But it was the image, uh, we have a foster son, um, Demarius, Isaiah, who turned one last week and has been with us for 11 months of his life. And that was quite an accomplishment because he tried to die twice on us and he, and he didn't, so that's always good. But he has gotten extremely adventurous. And one of the places that he likes to take risks is on our leather couch. Because if he's barefoot, he can get really good traction like a mountain climber and go up the backside to the top. And I like to encourage that adventurous spirit. And 
One of the, the image that came to me this morning was of Isaiah mountain climbing up to this, to this peak of the couch. And what is common is once he gets to that spot that he feels uncomfortable, he does that. So he's looking out the window. And he always is looking back to see, are you still there? Are you still with me? And I felt like the Lord this morning was just giving me a little glimpse into his heart for us. And it connected to the taste and see that I'm good. Taste and see that I'm good. I'm for you. I have good things for you. You can tell people about the good things that you've experienced because I have good things for them. And also, as you, as you take these steps, as you take risks, as I move you into adventure with me, yeah, Liz may call it fun. Some of us may call it terrifying. He made that statement to Moses and makes the same statement to us, I will be with you. I will be with you. And so it's okay for us to take that posture and to practice like Isaiah and to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to goat climb up this couch, right? And when I get to that place where I am unsure, I'm going to check back in. Make sure, are you still with me? I mean, that we need that certainty. And there's that steadfastness. And that's the holding our feet and our legs from failing. And so as you raised your hand and you said, I'm going to do this 10-second thing, I'm going to try this 10-second thing, there will be moments that you will say, this is too risky, this is too adventurous, I don't think it's fun, and you'll be tempted to say, and I'm, and I, I'm going alone, I'm doing this alone. And as we step out, I just want you to take that refrain with you that Jesus has said to us that he did not leave us as orphans, right? He did not leave us as orphans to sort this out. But I will come to you, I will be with you, and actually celebrated that his spirit resides in us and fills us. So as you go, may you be filled with the spirit of God. May you have boldness and risk and adventure and fun. And may you be reminded of the 10 second rule and would you see God's kingdom come? God be gracious, merciful to us as we take these attempts. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Have a great day.